Love, and Therapy, a podcast to encourage and inspire. I'm your host, Jamie Johnson, a clinical social worker working in the field of mental health for the last 10 years. I believe this podcast is God-led and God-inspired, and I thank you as we peel back the layers of mental health from a faith perspective. Thank you for joining me. Um, so grateful to have you. If you want to connect with me, connect with me on faithlovetherapy at gmail.com. You can send me an email. You can also connect on social media at Faith Love and Therapy Podcast. That's on Instagram. And then on Facebook, Faith Love Therapy Podcast as well. So look forward to connecting with you um, and learning more and discussing more on those platforms. So episode 36, I hope you're caught up on the last couple of episodes. They were about attachment. Um, and relationships and kind of digging into that and how we connect with one another and um, kind of the difficulties that we can have in relationships due to our attachment style. So if you have not listened to those, please do um, so that you can kind of gain insight on that particular area in your life. This episode, we are looking at um, mental health, but if you are dealing with or have a loved one who is struggling with mental health. So episode 36 is really some tips on how to assist or be of support um, to a loved one who is struggling with mental health. So 2020 uh, statistics from the National Institute of Mental Health show that one in five adults um, have a mental health diagnosis. We all know someone with a mental health diagnosis, and this could be depression, anxiety, it could be OCD, it could be um, schizophrenia, it could be um, something that deals with their health that has led to some, some form of psychosis. We all know someone who has experienced some level of mental illness at some point of our life, in our life. Um, and so it is not something that we can really get away, get away from. Uh, not that we're trying to, but it is just something we really have to address because it is so prevalent. Um, there are some that would be under a category of AMI, so it's any mental health illness. And that could be a mental, behavioral, or emotional disorder, and it can vary in impact. So it could be mild, it could be um, more moderate impairment, and it could be a severe impairment. And then you have serious mental illness, which is defined by a mental, uh, behavioral, or emotional disorder that results in serious functional impairment. So there's a substantial interference with or limits on major life activities. This is where we see individuals who require um, being in an institution. They also may require ongoing support in order to remain in the community. They may require um, housing that is supportive supportive living arrangements. So this is more of your severe mental illness. They have difficulty even going to work. They have difficulty um, taking care of their regular responsibilities, getting groceries in the house. So um, please know that there are different levels of um, mental illness. So mental illness is very prevalent and with the pandemic that we are coming out of, yay, we are coming out of this pandemic, um, there has been an increase in mental illness and mental health diagnoses throughout this pandemic, specifically in the age group of 18 to 25. We've seen um, a substantial increase there also in school-aged children. So you may be living with, uh, supporting a child, a parent, a spouse, some loved one with a mental health challenge or mental health diagnosis. And I just wanna provide a few tips that I believe would be helpful. 
First one I would say is do not assume. It is best to ask questions about what your loved one is experiencing. Use open-ended questions. That means don't open it, don't ask a question with an answer attached to it. Ask exploratory questions. Um, explore their concerns without judgment. Often we, in when it is our loved one, we get into a role of like wanting to fix it, wanting to solve it, solve it for them, and so we get in a mode where. Um, we just jump in and start trying to have solutions or tell them what they should be doing. And we don't really have a complete understanding of what they're experiencing. And so being able to just listen, ask questions and get a good view of what your loved one is experiencing is important. Be opening to listen without providing unsolicited advice. That's important. Listen without, again, trying to come up with a solution or solve it or fix it for them. Do not offer unsolicited advice. Um, and that can be different, difficult depending on your relationships. I think of specifically um, when children are talking to their parents about mental illness. Oftentimes a parent, because that is their typical uh, part of their role, is to help their child, they're going to think of and try to tell them what they should do. And first, just take time to get an idea of what exactly is going on. So don't make assumptions that you know what they need, you know what's happening, you know why this is happening. Allow them to give you insight into what's going on with them. The second um, tip I would say is encourage professional support. Please, please, please encourage professional support. Um, one of the things I hear clients say the most is that their family uh, will quickly say, oh, you're not depressed. Or, you know, you don't need therapy, you don't need medication, you don't need that. I, you know. You just know, need to go ahead and rest, or if you exercise more, or if you, you know, if you stop doing this or stop doing that, or you pray, that is big in our community. If you just pray more, read your word, talk to God about it. None of those answers are wrong, but also with them, there may be something deeper that's going on that a professional may help them to tease out. And so please encourage professional help because um, Professionals will talk about self-care items or uh, issues. They'll talk about things that will help to benefit holistically, not just the therapy, the therapy itself um, or medication if that's the route they choose to go. Allow a professional to um, assess and discuss treatment options for your loved one. This could require that you set aside your opinion and prior prioritize your, their needs over your, your opinion. So if your opinion is that people don't need medication, that's not something that you need to offer up, but allow a trained professional to talk, them, talk to them about their options, which doesn't always have to be medication, but they, your loved one should know that that's available to them if they so choose. The third thing I would say is learn as much as you can about their diagnosis. So once they have been to see a professional and, um, and probably after a couple of sessions, and the therapist or the psychiatrist or the psychologist, whoever they're seeing, has said, this is what I see happening um, and I feel like you have blah, 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 blah. So if it's anxiety or if I feel like you have depression or if I feel like, you know, there's some, something, um, some psychosis happening. Learn as much as you can about the specific diagnosis and um, so that you can have an idea about what the symptom, symptoms actually look like. Sometimes we start to assume when we hear the word depression, we have a particular picture in our mind of what depression is. But depression looks different in, in, in everybody. So there could be someone who is still going to work, still tending to their hygiene, but when they go home, they're barely eating, um, they immediately get in the bed and they sleep the night, the day away, the night away, and then they start the routine over again. 
and their thought process is very, you know, um, depressive. Their, their motivation is very low, but on the outside, they look like they're taking care of everything they need to take care of. There are others who are unable to leave the bed. There are some who seem incredibly happy and you would never know that they're struggling because they only struggle in isolation. So being able to learn about the diagnosis and how it could look is important. Um, when you, when you start to make assumptions about what you think it is and you verbalize that, oh, that's not depression. You probably just stressed, you know, that could lead to withdrawal of your loved one. They can start to withdraw from you. They could uh, become resentful. They can lose trust in you. Um, and they can also start to minimize their symptoms because they don't want to make you uncomfortable. And, you know, we see that all the time. We start, you know, we start talking about those people that I didn't even know they were depressed. You know, they're always happy. They're always excited. They always have so much energy. And then we find that they attempted suicide or, or worse than that, they, you know, they were uh, successful in their suicide attempt and they lost their life to suicide. That some of those things, some of those moments are because individuals did not have the space to process without judgment. They didn't have the, the space to talk about what they were dealing with without someone telling them, oh, no, that's not true, or I don't think that's it, or no, you just need to pray, or no, you just need to you know, get out of the house more. And so there's their feelings and what they're dealing with has been minimized. And so that individual decides, well, you show them through your behavior um, that this is not a safe space to talk about what I'm going through. So learn as much as you can. Don't as make assumptions about what it should look like, that particular diagnosis. Um, have some really good conversations with your loved one, but also if they allow you to uh, learn more about their tre treatment process, they may allow you to be a part of a therapy session so that you can get insight as well. The next thing I would say is set boundaries if needed. Depending on the severity or where needed, not if needed, boundaries are always necessary. Um, depending on the severity of the issue or the diagnosis, a family member could um, have severe reactions. They could have, um, you know, they could have verbal aggression or experience verbal aggression, manipulative behavior, lying. There could also be physical aggression. And these are things that you don't you don't have to tolerate, you know, because they have a diagnosis. And I think some of us, we tend to uh, um, allow for excuses or give too much space, too much space to certain behavior that does not, that you don't have to allow. And so you need to be able to set boundaries and explore, you know, it, what physical boundaries there are. Are they allowed to be with you alone? Is this something that they can be left alone in the house? Can they be left alone with other children? Um, when they are aggressive or when they are feeling anxious or manic or depressed, what are certain things that you cannot, you know that this is beyond your limitation? Setting limits does not have to be done in a rude way. Setting limits could be very loving to be able to say, hey, when you are experiencing a manic episode, you don't have as much consideration for my feelings. And I know that you're, you know, I know that this is part of your diagnosis. So during that time, I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to take as many calls from you. Um, but you can text me if it's an emergency. I'll definitely check in. You can set boundaries that are appropriate for your own well-being. So be willing to set those boundaries for your own, your own mental health. Um, you know, know that there are some mental health diagnoses that are you, you as a parent or as a spouse, you are not equipped to deal with. 
And, you know, I think about the viral video of that, um, of a woman's home. We saw the viral video, her home had been wrecked, you know, the, and it was done by her 15 year old son, I believe. And she was upset one that the, the video went viral, but you could see the level of damage to her home. Like everything was destroyed. And so that is the, that is an individual who would not be safe in the home, especially with young children without some type of support. He needs additional services. He needs somewhere to um, work through the issues so that everyone is safe. So that's, that's an example of knowing um, what limits need to be set in order for everyone to be safe. The next thing I would say is watch what you say. Really watch what you say. Um, many things are undiagnosed due to fear, lack of knowledge, and shame that is, you know, a lot of shame that's rooted in cultural issues that are, and those that are uh, rooted in religious views or religious expectations. We may see family members exhibiting behaviors that warrant professional help. And um, however, they're convinced that they're fine. They want to ignore those symptoms. Some of these symptoms could be due to trauma. Some could be due to chemical imbalance, some um, environment, some, you know, genetic, but Individuals may experience a lot of shame because of that, and they don't want to acknowledge what's happening with them. What you say is incredibly important. It can contribute to the level of shame or it can help to free them from the bondage of shame. You know, shame says that I am a bad person at my core. That's what shame is. It's different from I feel, you know, guilty or I feel um, like I did something wrong. Shame is literally at its core and hard to move beyond. So when you, when we respond to people's feelings and their issues in a way that makes them feel even more ashamed, like being dismissive, even trying to over-spiritualize symptoms, um, being critical, it can cause um, many people to diminish or minimize their own symptoms to be able to, to, so that they're not acknowledging or not feeling shame from having these types of diagnoses. but also what we see because of that is they're not seeking treatment and there is a greater mental decline. And sometimes that leads to, you know, addiction. There's a lot of co-occur- co-occurring diagnosis, which means there's a substance issue and there's a mental health diagnosis. So watch what you say. And, and when you hear someone have a diagnosis or when someone is sharing about their mental health or sharing about symptoms, you know, we like to use things like, oh, you crazy. Um, let's not, let's watch how we respond to the people that we love. Right. And the last one is, is more for you, I guess I would say, um, self-care and caregiver support. You cannot do all things. That is what God does. Um, yes, we, we know the scripture says we can do all things through Christ who, who, you know, strengthens us, but understand what he means by that and understand that we're not doing this alone. So when I say you can't do everything, you can't do it all by yourself. You know, seek therapy for yourself when you are dealing, you know, when you are, when you have a loved one who has a severe mental illness or any, any diagnosis that is, um, can be heartbreaking. Get, find support groups in your area. Um, look for other opportunities to care for yourself because that is necessary. Self-care is necessary. You know, seeing your loved one struggle is taxing. It's also heartbreaking. And, you know, you may have experienced some traumatic moments as a result of their mental health. That's something to acknowledge as well. Out of their own mental health, their response, their behavior could have been something that traumatized you or led to um, an experience that is hard to move beyond. 
If you're a caregiver of, let's say, a parent with mental health issues, find a caregiver group that's specifically for, you know, adult adults um, of parents that have a diagnosis or parents that are declining or even things like dementia could also be in this category. Um, listen and offer um, to attend sessions if they are willing so that you can learn more about what's going on with them and their emotional state. As a parent of a young child, please be a part of your child's treatment process. This is critical, especially when they are um, definitely under the age of, I'd say like 16. Be actively involved in their treatment process and be receptive to changing some, some things that may be recommended by, your treat, by their treatment provider. There may be some things where they say, we want you to you know, really work on how you engage with your child, how, you know, some things around the house. Be receptive to that. Sometimes that can be seen as uh, criticism where really it is a view of how you can better help your child um, that's dealing with mental health. So these are just a few things that I feel would assist you if you are supporting someone, if you love someone, if you're a child, your spouse, your parent, um, close relative that you care for has a mental mental health diagnoses. These are some things I would ir- urge you to think about and to consider. If you have additional questions on this topic, you can email me at faithlovetherapy at gmail.com. I thank you for joining me on another episode of Faith Love Therapy Podcast. I'm healing and taking some folks with me. I'll see you next time.